As far as I'm concerned, not enough Tiger talk in the offseason, uh, especially with all the football going on. Heck, I understand it, but uh, Tigers have had a pretty active offseason. Uh, I'm figuring they're going to be contenders. Uh, Dan, what about you? Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. It's just been fun. It's been fun kind of tracking the movement this offseason. First of all, Happy New Year, Pat. Yes. We're talking baseball on January 2nd. I like what the Tigers are doing. And I think it's becoming pretty clear, and we'll get into this a little bit. We're going to have Tarek Skubal on uh, just to talk about his phenomenal season and look ahead. But clearly the Tigers are willing to spend money. They've already spent, I mean, spending $4 million on Andrew Chafin to me says, okay, they're, they're willing to spend the money. On the right guy, Flaherty for fourteen million, Maeda twenty, what four million for two years, two years yeah. uh, Shelby Miller picking him up. They're willing to spend the money, but clearly the targeting now is enough offense and winning with pitching and defense. That's the quickest way to improve, I think, is cutting the runs allowed, run prevention, and I think that's what they're going for. And I think they're building a heck of a staff, and I can't wait to talk to Tarek about it. Well, Scoobal is, uh, I don't I, it kind of, for some reason, flew under the radar. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, his last, he, he had 15 starts last year, so it was basically a half a season. And uh, he, he wasn't just good. Uh, he was brilliant. And uh, as dominant as any pitcher, what was it, 11 strikeouts per nine, oh, average just, fastball. down the stretch. Almost unhittable with that fast. I mean, his fastball changeup a lot. Yeah. The changeup was dynamite yeah, down tur- the stretch. He, he deceives. He's deceiving with his motion. The pitters pick it up late. You can tell by the way they react. And you can just see by the look on his face, he's very determined. Yeah. And, and, and it, well, again, there, there's a lot to talk about. But what they are building this rotation, there's incredible depth in this rotation. I mean, flying under the radar, talk about Reese Olsen. Casey Mize is going to come back strong next year. I I, I feel very strongly about what he's going to do next year. Uh, He's gotten bigger, stronger, and the bullpens he was throwing late in the year were impressive. And you got uh, Mahide now. You have uh, Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty in the rotation. Perfect candidate on a one year deal. Uh, Manning. uh, Still. Yeah, let's not forget about Matt Manning. Right. I mean, he he did pretty well last year and uh, just a lot of uh, starting pitching depth. Uh, and look, you're going to need it, you know. And also, I just want to tell people, uh, Tarek, we're going to talk to him here in a second. But the Tigers do have a, a lot of pitchers coming. Two in particular. Uh, one of them is Ty Madden, uh, who's going to be on the cusp of major leagues now. First round pick a couple years ago. And also Jackson Job, who's uh, a phenomenal prospect. We'll get into that a little bit as well. Yes. But right now, we're going to talk to that dominant pitcher. That being Tarek Scoobal. Tarek, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. we're doing well. We're doing well, Tarek. And uh, Dan and I were just talking about how dominant you were, though, for 15 games last year. You came back from uh, that injury, and uh, by the end of the year, uh, you were really dealing, uh, dealing as well as any pitcher in the major leagues. You've always been pretty good, uh, but uh, what, what allowed you to take it to that next step? Uh, you know, I think I think a lot of it, you know, you credit to the coaching staff and, and the game plans and scouting reports and teammates and, and the catchers that we got. So, you know, I was comfortable. I was confident in myself. But um, I, th- I felt like I was executing pitches at a pretty high clip, and, and the results kind of spoke for that. Tarek, I always love hearing about – I love what Scott Harris did when he took over and, and, and the way he talked to players who were rehabbing. And uh, – Talk to them about, hey, while you're rehabbing, we expect you to get better while you're rehabbing whatever injury it is that you have in some other way. 
And he also included you and Casey Mize made sure you were with the team for the whole year, which I thought was a big deal. Can you just talk about some of the things you did work on, maybe challenging yourself, challenging your teammates as you rehab with Casey uh, to get better while you're rehabbing the, the forearm strain? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a ton of fun to be able to spend the first, you know, a couple months before I went on rehab assignment with the team, just because, you know, when you go rehab in Lakeland or, you know, if you're different with a different club, you just kind of feel distant uh, from the guys. And that, it's a weird feeling. Even when you get back, you know, with the team, you haven't been grinding with them for the last two months. Right. So I felt like I was a part of the, of that grind of a season, you know, and then um, when I came back, I felt like I could provide a little bit of a spark for our, for our club. You know, it, it's, you know, we were right in the playoff hunt for, you know, a lot of the year. And that's obviously the goal this year too. But um, I think it was huge to be there. And then, you know, with the addition of Robin Lund and, and then Scott Harris is, uh, I think he really understands pitching and gets it. Um, we had a ton of conversations just in the weight room, um, kind of about my stuff, my arsenal, how, where it plays and stuff. I, I think the confidence that the organization put in me um, was huge for me. This is such a, such an interesting staff. And I mean that in the very best way, really three incredible pitching coaches at the major league level and Juan Davis and Chris Fetter. And then the addition of Robin yeah. Lund fascinated me. And I mean, I remember talking with you and Casey one day about, you know, the, using the ground ground forces coming down the hill and how, you know, Casey got bigger this year and he was talking about how that helped him. Can you just talk about some of the impact because we know how good Chris and Juan are, but Robin was new this year. It was kind of advanced concepts that he, I think, simplified for you guys if you needed it and really helped you guys understand how to use that mound <laughs> and how to use that momentum going downhill. Can you just talk about some of the things he helped you understand this year to make you just that much better? Yeah, you know, I, I call him Doc Ock. I mean, he's got a doctorate, <laughs> a PhD. I think he's the only coach in the big leagues with one or something like that. So, But he's, he's really good at making things that are complex uh, very simple. You know, and and first off, it starts with throwing the ball over the plate. You know, you can get as into mechanics and spin rates and all that as much as you want, um, but the basics still work. But uh, he, he's really good at you know explaining things that don't really make sense to me and say, hey, I don't really get this. But he's going to make me do a drill that's just going to my body's going to naturally enforce it into my you know throwing pattern. You know, he, he's really good at communicating. Um, and he loves, you know, he loves, he loves baseball and you can tell. So he's always, he's always willing to work, always lo willing to look at video. And um, he's a huge ad for us. You know, uh, it, it looked like, Tarek, everybody talks about the uh, cliche game face and all that. And uh, it looked like last year, uh, you, there was nothing on your mind except your pitching when you were out there. Uh, totally focused in on things. Is that because you have a more of a comfort with your command and more comfortable knowing that you can be successful? Because I, you have the look on your face when you're out there that I really don't think you could fake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a part of it comes from the confidence and just knowing you belong in pitching in the big leagues. I think that's something that I didn't really – have probably my first two years uh, was just confidence in myself knowing that I belong um, so that that obviously helps but you know that's kind of my mentality when I pitch is I want to live every outing one pitch at a time and be as locked in pitch by pitch for an entire game and, and when I can do that and not let little things kind of get at me not let a strike zone get at me not let a you know whatever it is 
you know, it, it doesn't really matter. Not let anything really affect that and, and just really live pitch by pitch. Um, that's when I think I'm at my best. And, and I thought I did a good job of doing that this year. Uh, you have a lot of players that are similar age have come up uh, and, and they had some of the hard knocks, you know, uh, Torkelson before he started hitting home runs. Riley Green's had some injuries. You've gone through some different uh, things that would be ups and downs. Does it, you've confident with this group that's coming up together that it, it's starting to pop for you guys, uh, especially with what happened the second half of last year? Yeah, you know, we're a young team, but I think it's I think it's good to struggle. I think it, it really is. It, it kind of it makes you who you are. It makes you tougher. Um, there's a lot of growth when you're back against the wall, and, and there's some adversity. I think there's a ton of growth in that. Um, so I, I think it's all it's all good. You know, it's a learning it's a learning lesson that you know every time you fail, you learn from it, and try not to let that happen again. Um, so I think there's a ton of value in that in, in failing and. and you know, struggling, there's no better place to struggle than the big leagues. You know, that's where you really learn who you are. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm really confident in the guys we got. We're all maturing. We have a great clubhouse. I think our team chemistry is awesome. Um, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited for, you know, report date and, and get it going again. You know, it's fun to hear uh, we're talking with Tarek Skubal, who had such a fantastic finish to the year and really just a great year overall in his 80 innings of work. It was it was fun hearing the players who have been signed in the offseason, Tarek, talking about how they see what's going on with this young core. They want to be a part of it. Even a Jack Flaherty, who is more of a veteran, or a Kenta Maeda, whether it's Shelby Miller or Andrew Chafin coming back, they notice it. And at the end of the year, it was fun talking with Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Matt Veerling. They were talking about how they just spent the, you know, after a game one night in September, talking about, hey, we've got a lot of glue guys in this room. And, and you can just see that, that chemistry forming and the key guys who are going to be leading, whether it's the rotation or in that clubhouse on the position player side, you can kind of see it coming together, can't you? Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm, I'm really excited to start working with the additions. You know, obviously I know Chafin uh, decently well. I'm excited to have him back, but you know, Shelby, Flaherty, and Maeda, I'm really excited to, you know, learn from those guys and, and kind of see how they carry themselves and how they attack, you know, whether it be scouting reports, whatever, you know, try and learn as much as I can from those guys. Um, but, I, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. You can – you got a group of guys that really care about each other, and I think it showed, you know, towards the end of the season, obviously not playing for – you know, we're not playing for the playoffs, but we were also playing our best baseball, and we kept we kept going out there and playing our best baseball. So, um, I think that speaks volumes of the characters of the guys that we got. And, and obviously it starts with the coaching staff, you know, kind of keep pushing the, you know, pe- pushing the guys and motivating the guys. And then, uh, you know, they all started to show up and we started to score runs and we pitched really well. So it was a ton of fun. Real quickly, your impressions on Casey Mize, because I watched a bullpen in August where he was just, it looked like he was just dealing. And I asked Juan Davis after, I said, what was that? He's a 95 <laughs> with a splitter. I yeah. mean, it looked awesome. Can you just kind of describe from your friendship standpoint what, what you've seen and what you think Tigers fans can expect from Casey Mize in his comeback year next year? Oh, I'm very excited for him. I'm very excited. He's put in a ton of hard work. Um, there's, you know, the ups and downs of rehab, and, you know, he's handled everything so well. I'm, I'm very excited to have him back and have him healthy. Um, his arm was really live when he was, you know, doing those live BPs and throwing the bullpens. Um, the ball was coming out great. Um, I love the way he goes about his business. Uh, even since, you know, 2019, I watched him 
you know, we played high baseball together and I watched him. I'm like, why is this guy so good? And I watched his work ethic. I watched how he went about it. And it taught me that I needed to really have a routine in pro ball. I'm coming every fifth day and, you know, I value our friendship. I'm very excited for him though. I'm very excited. He's a really, really good baseball player, better dude. Um, I'm excited to have him back. Well, Tarek, you've uh, developed into the consummate pro now. you got experience. You've got the uh, ability, everything. Uh, probably a big year ahead of you. Uh, good luck to you, and uh, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah. Tarek. See you in Lakeland. That was uh, Tarek Skubal, uh, Tigers pitcher. So uh, it did fly under the radar a little bit. And you mentioned Reese Olson. Uh, coming up next, uh, we'll take your phone calls to 485-399-9797. And uh, we'll look at the Tigers' lineup and rotation. Uh, and will they do any more this offseason? Hmm. It's always fun on kind of this first show. I know we had special editions in November and December. But this first show just kind of what do, what does this opening day lineup potentially look like? What are some of the camp battles coming up? Just kind of lay out what does this look like going into, and then over the next several weeks, we're obviously going to talk about some of the changes and some of the things that uh, I think we can look forward to. But it, it really is a year where it just feels like there's a lot of good momentum in the right direction. I really like the signings on the pitching side. Trade from Arcan, of course, on the position player side, but the, the additions on the pitching side are big. Yeah, 97 won the ticket. Yeah, that was Double D back in the summer. Can't wait to hear you. That was just his fourth start of the year, too. And we were talking during the break. You know, it it is worth spending a moment to talk about how good he was. Because it was kind of a little bit up and down to start. No big surprise. Coming back from surgery. Didn't make a start till July 4th. But the last, I mean, first of all, last eight games were great. But how about the last five? I know. I know. Seven innings, three times, 30 innings, 14 hits with. Four walks and 43 strikeouts. <laughs> His whip in 15 starts. And you mentioned it was a little, uh, you know, a little rough the first couple. A little up and down, yeah. Yeah, but not too bad. But the stuff was good all His long. whip was below .9. <laughs> For the season. For the season. Yeah. In 15 starts. Lowest walk rate of his career, one and a half. Highest strikeout rate of his career, 11 and a half. 11 and a half strikeouts I mean, per nine. And, look, he doesn't have a high spin rate, all right? This is, this is, and I... Go ahead and get into it because I think this is really interesting. This is why spin rate, it's not just it's about just spin not, rate. Okay. Spin and he doesn't have a long but. extension. So you would look at those two things and say, well, how can he do that? Well, first of all, he throws hard. He throws <laughs> really hard. Fastball was up. And, yeah, he he knows exactly what he's doing with his fastball now. So he hits the quadrants now. Where When he was in double, and I was telling you, when he started his first game, I was watching it. You know, and I knew he was a good prospect, but I looked at that and I said, what is that? <laughs> and I was in the press box at the time and went down, and I happened to see Al Avila, the GM at the time, and David Chad, who was with them. I said, what was that? You know, and they were like, what, 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 you know? I mean, I'm sure they got the report on the game uh, from it. I hadn't seen anything like that for a while. I couldn't believe it. And he ended up striking out, like, an incredible amount of hitters and doing all this stuff. But he didn't have command then. He didn't have command the first couple things. We were talking about mound presence. And people say, what the hell is mound presence? He knew exactly what you were talking about. And I, I love that you, you made the observation, and he absolutely agreed with you. It was different because of the confidence that he was taking out to the mound every start. And uh, you know, we were talking about Jackson Job. Uh, Jackson Job is special. And the look on his face, the mound presence, very similar. 
You know, he he kind of once he got it going, he kind of he knows he can get guys out and throw the ball where he wants. And that's where Scoobles at but, right now. But going back to spin rate, I think it's important because we do hear about spin rate a lot. And right. what a, I mean, what we've heard through the years, and obviously is true, high spin rate, you can throw at the top of the strike zone, get swings and misses. Doesn't and matter you, here. Doesn't matter here. Look at Josh Hader, by the way. Low average to below average spin rate, gets a ton of swings and misses. So it then becomes about the vertical approach angle. It becomes about deception like you talked about. He's got a lot of deception. And there's just the movement at the plate. I mean – that ball's got life, and his—I mean—he was living some games on fastball changeup, and nobody could touch him in those yeah. last five starts. One of the uh, like old school scouting things uh, that you can look at if you watch a game and you want to know what a pitcher's "quote unquote" stuff is like. Watch how the hitter reacts. And uh, when he was in Double A, Triple A, uh, Scooble, the reaction—you know—sometimes it would be no reaction; they would be completely confused. You see that with Job. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, at the major league level, he's starting to do that uh, because he's got that deception. It makes up for uh, not an exceptional extension, even though he's big, and it makes up for uh, spin rate. And plus, when you can gas it up there, you know, three or four miles an hour faster than anybody, you can throw it to the quadrants, and on top of it, you got some kind of angle and slider, mm -hmm. and now he's landing his changeup. You know, it's lights-out stuff, and I – look – I get it, man. We've been through the prospect thing and the younger player thing, and there's ups and downs. We saw it with Torkelson, and then he broke last year. Yep. Uh, you know, we probably we've seen it with Mize. Mize was pretty good in 2021. People forget really about that. Um, and but you know, you kind of live with it. So, and we had a lot of hype about it with the pandemic and other things. And I, you know, right now in sports, a lot of people are thinking about the Lions in Michigan. It's all understandable. But I got to tell you, man, last year, Scooble, that threw, and him, and like you mentioned, Reese Olson. Reese Olson, just, what, I mean, <laughs> quietly after the, you know, he has the shingles in the spring, and it's just, I mean, one thing after another, he gets thrown to AAA, he gets bombed, comes up and does what he did, and especially the way he finished. That fastball velocity was steady. He got a little bit stronger. He, he admitted he had to get stronger. He did. And he held that 95 very consistently all season long, inning to inning, start to start. Plus the results down the stretch were phenomenal. He's got a pretty good hammer too, let's face it. He I does. mean if you got a good fastball and you can he does. you can, you know, you know, put some spin uh with the break on it, uh you're pretty good. Uh, the other thing part about it, he seems so nervous out there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a guy that goes out there, you know, it's like I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at you like wait a minute, what? He wasn't nervous at all. <laughs> at all. At all. But it was like, oh, this is my moment. This is my chance. Uh, I, I love it when those guys jump on it like that and say, hey, you know. Yeah, give him a chance and then look what he did. So let's look at this rotation. So in no particular order, although I do have Scooble at the top of my list here. Scooble, Maeda, Jack Flaherty. We'll talk about that signing in a second. Manning, Mize, Olsen. We're up to six already. <laughs> I'd be interested to see what the Tigers can do with Bo Brisky because now they've got some pretty serious depth in that bullpen. They do like the multiple inning guys in the bullpen, but Miller can be that as well as a back end guy. Uh, Brisky could be a starter again. Don't know, but I kind of got him as a question mark, maybe as a as insurance. But you want that arm on your staff. Gibson Long is insurance, uh, like Gibson what we Long saw from him. Pretty good too. But look at this bullpen now with Miller and Chafin added, Lang. Foley, Will Vest had a great finish. That stuff, when he's right, and he was right down the stretch, is electric. Tyler Holden just had was the MVP of the bullpen. We're up to six already. 
Fajardo, Diaz, Brisky. I think Brisky. I, I really do like him in the in the pen. But so do I. I'd just be curious he, to see if he throws hard. Throws hard, and uh, I don't know if There's he's got a lot three, of versatility in that bullpen. Three pitches to be consistent, and uh, they have some. Look, if you're looking at their AAA guys, and there's some, but the one with the best upsides, Ty Madden. Uh, that's going to be at AAA this year. He could be a reliever, couldn't he? Yeah, he could. I, I like him as a reliever. He, he throws really, really hard. I think the Tigers are doing something special with their bullpen. Yeah. When you got Tyler Holton. When you add in his eight innings from AAA through 93 innings this year, all in relief, and I'm not counting a game where he started. What's the deal was, with him and uh, and Olsen, those guys who got lit up in, in AAA? And they we were, only was eight innings down there. But <laughs> no, 93 I mean, innings in relief? Different, yeah. There aren't there – aren't, Two pitchers a year throw 90 innings all in relief. Oh, the he Tigers was, are he building was beyond, a bullpen. He was beyond phenomenal. And it's because of the staff they've put together, they understand. I think that's what I really like about Robin Lund. He believes that to be a, as he calls it, a fit thrower, that means you throw a lot. You handle a workload. And these guys are showing if they're used the right way, and A.J. knows how to use these guys. You can build a staff, a bullpen, full of 80 to 100 inning relievers. And that's that's a big deal. When you when you think that Tyler Holden held that effectiveness all year long, just had a couple of blips the whole season. Uh, he was <laughs> he was as good effective as I, I think I was looking at uh, certainly his wins above replacement for a reliever. I think it was over two, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous, and he was as effective as any reliever in his role that it was in baseball for somebody that you picked up. That's why, and they're not done right now. You know, one thing I like about there's a couple things I like about what they've done. Uh, is a lot of depth in starting rotation. You you get five starters, they never pitch all their starts. You know, there's always right. breakdowns. And, and, and so if you got seven or eight guys that seven can start. Seven or eight's yeah. a good number. Right. And then and same with the bullpen. You know, and uh, baseball is notorious, and I'm not saying this is going to happen to Holden, where a guy having a phenomenal year out of the bullpen takes a step back or somebody doesn't do what you expect. So if you get five, six, seven guys in there, You've got more depth, and you know, and sometimes you get surprises, mm-hmm. good and bad. So they're more prepared for that. It's not like if they have a couple injuries, they should go into right. the tank. That was smart by uh, Scott Harris and his staff uh, to do that. And uh, also, they've added a veteran presence, which we'll talk about coming up next. And hey, you say the Tigers are cheap? Nah. I think you might be on the wrong track with that. They've actually spent some money this offseason. They've just done it in a way that may be smarter. Right. Uh, we'll explain next. Uh, 248-539-9797. Uh, Kurt, I promise we'll get to your call. Uh, Dan Dickerson, Pat Caputo, Tiger Talk on 97.1 The Ticket. 248-539-9797. That's the phone number. Kurt was waiting there for a while, and then... I said, hey, Kurt, I'll get to your phone call. And they hung up. He was tired of waiting. Listening to us blowhards talk so much. Call back, Kurt. But, uh, you know, one of the things is uh, Miggy's contract up and he's retired. Although I guess he's going to play some winter ball or something, which doesn't surprise me. A year from now. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Wouldn't surprise me if he's like Jose Canseco. He's playing forever. (laughs) Or Ricky Henderson. Some some players, man, it's just in their blood, man. They got to play. But, uh, yeah, and, and obviously, Eduardo Rodriguez uh, not taking the contract, opting out on his contract. And the Tigers have gone out and gotten a number of players. Uh, uh, Mark Canna uh, in, a, in a trade uh, for, I would say, a fringe prospect, but somebody who may pinch, you know, pitch in the major leagues. 
not the worst prospect, but certainly didn't give up uh, one of their top prospects to get him. Picked up the $11.5 million. Uh, they went out and they signed uh, a, a veteran pitcher in uh, Kenda Maeda, which I always mispronounce his last name. Maeda, that's Maeda, right. Maeda, uh, who is a very experienced pitcher. A little bit different, you know, because uh, there's something about him that, uh, and there's a lot of pitchers from uh, the Pacific Rim who they get a lot of outs, and you kind of wonder why. Remember uh, the reliever for the Red Sox? What was his name? Uh Oh, the guy closed all the time. He'd throw like 89 miles an hour. He'd throw the gyro ball yeah, up there. Koi Uehara. Yeah, and they had all kinds. With the uh, orange glove. Yeah, they had all kinds of different pitches, you know. The gyro ball didn't spin at all. You know, the mystery of the gyro well, he, ball. That guy was unhittable when he was at his best. You know, he'd throw 89. Oh, strike my God, out, you, like, could not, you could not hit him. And, uh, you know, my head has got a little bit of that, you know, where he. We saw him lot several of times this year. He. Three of the, two of the three starts we saw him with Minnesota, he, he was really good. Well, he started out 0-4, and, and then he, you know, his ERA was high, and then he started yeah, he to pitch well. he 10 runs, then went on the DL for almost two months, and then when he came back, he was quite good. And his first start was against the Tigers here, and then uh, we saw him twice more. But, I mean, it's still, he can get you to chase that splitter. He knows what he's doing. He knows exactly he's what he's doing. He's pinpoint, never walks anybody. <laughs> I, I like watching him pitch, and I think he's going to add a lot to the staff. Flaherty's interesting, $14 million, You know, so you add up. Uh, That's the perfect signing to me. I mean, I, I'm like, man, they got him for one year? $14 million. Because a lot of guys are demanding two and three years. Obviously, Scott Harris makes no bones about it. He's betting on himself for the one-year deal. But, again, I, I do think this shows that there are the players out there – are realizing more and more around the league, this is a place where you can come to get better. Lorenzen was like their best PR man available <laughs> when he got traded away and talk, talked about all the things the Tigers did for him. The thing I like about Flaherty, so he comes back, he had oblique injury, shoulder injury, 21-22, not really anything specifically arm-related, healthy this year. Correct. He's only 28. Fastball velocity is still there, down a tick. Down a few ticks, and actually. That was... His pitch when he was dominant 2018-2019, but he was pretty effective, tough to hit through 21, and now last two years he's been very hittable, but he's 28. Yeah. And I think the Tigers look at that and they go, okay, we know. He knows he's got to make some tweaks. As he was he very candid about that. Tigers are the team that he feels can get him back on track, and it's the perfect guy to sign who's had this upside, opponent's OPS of 620 for a four-year period, and now he's been hittable these last two years. All right, let's figure it out. They'll figure it out. Well, we didn't we didn't ask Google about any of that stuff, and he volunteered it uh, today. And uh, I've had a lot of people uh, say to me, "Well, you know, Al's drafts are looking, you know, really pretty good now." And I said, "Yeah, that's true, but I, I don't know if the progress would have been the same." And with that, I you know how I feel about Al. I got the utmost respect for him if they had not made the changes. So I think that uh, it's kind of coming together that way. And, and and you're right about Lorenzen. And Lorenzen was sold on that. As we know, we talked to him mm-hmm. last uh, winter on this show, and he said one of the reasons he wanted to sign with Detroit is because they seem to really know what they're doing to get the most out of him, and that, that clearly helped. He had a brilliant year, made the All-Star game, threw a no-hitter. You know, So that's a big deal. No, and I like the way they handled it. It was like he he was fighting. He had six different pitches, wanted to throw them all, and early on they're like, hey, 
We think you'd be better if you simplified. And he would challenge him. He's like, okay, why? Show me why. Tell me why. And then it just, they would kind of button heads for a while. And then he just, he, it, it like clicked. He's like, okay, let's simplify. And that's when he took off. Yeah. So I think Flaherty was a smart signing. Uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained there. And it's another veteran pitcher. And he's been through the thing with baseball. You like those guys who've been through the grind, have, have come back from adversity. Uh, that's a good thing to have. And you're right about his age. He was about as young a free agent pitcher as any that were right. available. And if he gets back to 2018 and 2019 levels, when he was really, really good, you don't have to trade him away at the trade deadline. No, you don't. You can actually extend him. <laughs> right. Well, it depends, you know. And you know? that's, again, smart because they did get a pretty good prospect for Lorenzen. So uh, we'll have to see how it all uh, ultimately works out with that. Can't have enough pitching. Now, let's talk about their lineup. Yes, let's. Uh, because, it, look, you were talking about defense and how it figures in here. Right. And I'm trying to figure out how defense fits in here. I know their outfield is going to have very yeah, good I, defense. I, what I'm talking about is run prevention. Yes. Run prevention is pitching plus defense. Right. And I agree. There are going to be some maybe, maybe. But, again, the, the, these are why they always – these are the reasons why the Tigers always talk about when you're talking about a – Cold Keith or Justin Henry Malloy or later this year, almost surely Jace Young, they have to play defense somewhere, at least at a level that's proficient enough. Remember, Kerry Carpenter was not highly thought of when he came up. And I think you would get some Tigers coaches to say he wasn't very good at all. He has progressed to actually solid average, I would call him, in the outfield. Because he works at it, and there's some athleticism to work with. So A lot of athleticism, actually. He has a very right. strong arm, and he, he can run. A pretty darn solid outfield. But that wasn't, his so now, jump rate is still low. His what? Jump rate. You know, And I don't know. It depends on what you think of baseball savant's well, jump rate stat. But he's in the bottom 5% still. He's going to have well, that's to. Where, remember, Matt Vierling was low. Same thing. What did he do? He worked on it. Worked on Guess it. who worked on it with him? Gary Jones and right. George Lombard because they, they're they good. But they have some uh, a pretty good piece of clay to mold that in, right. so to speak. All right. So, to your point, what does the defense look like? Let's, let's, let's call the opening day lineup, starting lineup. I just jotted it down. I think this is probably a pretty decent guess. You tell me. Rogers behind the plate. The infield is Torkelson, Colt Keith at second. Javi Baez is at third. Matt Veerling. Javi is short. Is short. Veerling at third. Right. Green, Meadows, Carpenter, Canna. In the, the outfield. Four outfielders plus DH. Uh, I mean, that's a reasonable guess. That's not exactly going out in a big limb with no. your bench being Carson Kelly, Andy Ibanez, Zach McKinstry, plus who? Somebody. And that would be a backup shortstop to me because – I think they made it clear Javi Baez has to be better. He's not going to get just playing time handed to him anymore. No. So anyway, that seems like a reasonable guess, but then you get to your point about what about the defense? Well, uh, offense uh, in the outfield, outstanding defense. Parker Meadows is tremendous. Parker Meadows is off the charts. He's he's a top 10 uh, in the top he's in top 10 top 5 defensive outfielder. So where are you worried defensively? Nowhere in the outfield. Uh, Canna, even though he's 34 or whatever, right. he still runs above average. And obviously Riley Green is a very talented outfielder. Uh, so whatever corner you put him in, he's going to be really good there, and he can still play a pretty good center field. So uh, that's good. And uh, if they put Verling out there instead of third, he obviously can play uh, pretty well. 
leaves uh, Akil Badu kind of out in the cold there a little bit. Yeah, I have a tough time seeing him where he fits in. Right. And that's no knock on Akil, but that to me is a really interesting because those skills, you're not going to give up on those skills. He shows those flashes. There is some power. There is that electric speed on the bases. But, man, I'm not sure where he fits in right now. Well, if I were another general manager, I'd, you know, and I'd had a little bit of a hole, I'd call uh, Scott Harris on him. And uh, that would be uh, something uh, to do. Uh, and because they may have some outfielders uh, perhaps in, in the pipeline coming up. Uh, so that's plus what I don't know. First base, Torkelson had horrible metrics and horrible, uh, you know, the – Baseball savant, runs, average. Oh, it, it wasn't a good year defensively. I but, mean, he made, but, it, but it's all based on one thing. I looked at the outs above, you know, average thing, and he was minus one, you know, on other parts, and he was minus eight <coughs> runs on going to the right, his glove hand. So, and look, that kid's a good athlete. You know, he was a star running back. It's like in he went school. through a fielding slump. He made seven errors and. 17 games or something in July and August. He's not that bad at first base. Oh, he scoops I don't the know ball where the, I don't know where the scooping stat comes from, but I, I I know that he graded out very well. I keep looking for it. Do you know where it is, the scooping stat? Uh, no, I haven't seen it, but I know <laughs> but this. But he's good. The he's hand, the Bobby hand Bobby has a dozen. Sometimes he, he gets his footwork a little messed up or whatever. So in other words, there. But he's, I don't think there's any question he can be at least a solid average first baseman defensively. He, Do you? He did some pop-ups well. He's a tremendous yes, athlete. He is yes. a very good athlete. Yes. So I don't like know he, what it was. It was fluke. I will say this. He worked his rear end off. Well, you know he's going to do that. All year long. You know he's going to do on that. On his defense. I'd be stunned <laughs> if that. Uh, so it just to me, it was one of those things. It was just odd. I mean, I know that the Tigers were working on specific things that they felt he had to address. But that's, that stretch where he made a bunch of errors was just, it was weird. Coming up next, we'll talk more about the lineup defensively. It's Tiger Talk, Dan Dickerson, Pat Caputo, 97-1. The t- Dan was talking about the spin rate of Michael Penix, the quarterback for Washington. <laughs> he thinks oh. he'd be like Tarek Skubo. They're both from, you know, up there. That is it. That's incredible. I mean, I've seen highlights of him, but to watch him over a full game. I know. <laughs> now, uh, hash the si- opposite sideline. goes 50 yards I know, on just, a dime yeah. over a defender. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Is that fun to watch? Uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. But we're talking baseball tonight. Uh, got time for a phone call or two, 248-539-9797. These shows fly by. Uh, but it, we were talking about their lineup. Obviously, Torkelson at first base. We're expecting improved defense. And obviously, came alive as a hitter. I mean, he was really good that way. Uh, second base. We got Cole Keith penciled in. That's interesting. Dan, he's a phenomenal hitter. It's not just power, all right? He's just a real solid situational hitter. He can take the ball the other way. He can hit. Looks like he can hit tough pitching. Uh, real good approach. Nice swing, you know, short and right compact. Barrel gets there. Uh, can he play second base? That's the question. He had arm problem last year. We'll see how that is yeah. now, but. Tram said watching him, I had a chance to talk with Alan Trammell toward the end of the year. He goes on the minor leagues, works his butt off. Yes, he does. And But he said in, in the space of a year, he had seen tremendous improvement with Colt Keith at second base. Yeah, he's so, hungry, man. That's why I've got him in at second base. Third base, I think, is going to be kind of rotating like it was this year. I've got Veerling there because I think he showed he can certainly play it. Yeah. I think they were very, very 
pleasantly surprised to see how well he played there. They knew he could, but he really handled that. He's got an arm. And then, uh, but the, I think it's going to be real intriguing when you think about Jay Young sometime this year and more closer to the big leagues, Justin Henry Malloy out of spring could possibly make it. But I think the thing that we certainly found out with Parker Meadows, who had a great spring but didn't come up until, what, six weeks ago in the season, they're not bringing them up until they feel like they are a well-rounded player in all areas, and that means defense. Uh, McKinstry can play some positions. Uh, oh, I've got McKinstry on the – I think McKinstry is going to be an MVP because of his position flexibility. Well, he's a, he's a good think, athlete, man. I don't know how he kind of fell through the 450 plate appearances. Yeah. I think I, there's more in that bat. I really like his – He's just got he's just got game. Well, he can he's <laughs> he's got tools. He can run and he can throw. Yeah, no, you know, he those may not be my starting lineup on opening day, but he is a huge part of this team. I think he, he is looking like a guy that uh, you know dial of clues come in there and he's hit it. You know, where as if he hits a little bit, you can't deny his athleticism. Yeah. No, everywhere. great find for the everywhere. Tiger. Got him for you nothing know. almost. Yeah, and Abania has played pretty well for him. But I don't know third base how it's going to work out. The right. thing on Young, and I was telling you this, look, once he figured out how to lift the ball and pull the ball in the major, you know, in the professional level against pitching, man, he was lights out. I mean, he even got a hit off, uh, you know, the the big pitcher from LSU who's uh, pitching. You know, I was sitting there watching. And I go, hey, Young versus this guy, and uh, he ended up, uh, you know, getting a hit, raking on the guy. And here's the thing about him. Uh, he's a little bit thick, you know. He's he's not uh, you know this loose, athletic uh, type of guy defensively, but he's got good hands. And the question is, can he throw the ball across the infield, you know? Uh, but otherwise, it looks like it's smart to put him at third base because I don't think he would be an ideal second baseman. But if you put him at third, he may be the perfect position for him. I'm sure it was kind of a blow to his ego because he's probably played middle infield right. all his life, but. And his brother plays a very good third base. Right. The word on him, he wasn't supposed to be very good defensively. He's good. He's yeah. rock solid at third. So Justin Henry Malloy, I guess the point I want to make for fans is they're going to have to have well-rounded games when they get called up. That's why I think Cole Keith is ready. I think he'll make the team out of spring. Justin Henry Malloy is going to get talked about a lot because he's a well, – he can hit. He can hit. You know, he can he's flat got out. Good he's eye. developing power, I think. Yeah, he did. He shows power. He did. He, so he does he it. have a position in your mind? No. I think if you're expecting him to develop defensive skills, you're going to be disappointed. I'm sure he works his ass off at it. You know, I mean, there's no question about it. He'd be great in your recreational softball league. He'd be the star shortstop. I'm talking about at the major league level. Right. Uh, to me, he's not uh, somebody that is going to be a plus defender anywhere. and will probably be a minus defender wherever you put him. I'm Tigers not trying do- to knock the guy, but – well, you. Yeah, you've watched him a lot. Yeah, I have. And, you know, I looked up, you know, his background. He ran a, in high school in, in the peak uh, time for an athlete in their fastest point they are is at 19 years old. Uh, so he ran a, a 7.2 plus uh, 60. That That's pretty high up there. Um, and his throwing arm, the one thing I noticed, he's, it's inaccurate. So he's – Does he at least have some carry? I haven't seen him enough. Uh, you know, it just – that's where he makes a lot of I think he can errors. work on accuracy. I really do. Ah, I don't know. It, it, you see, at that level, it's about footwork, you know, being able to shift right. your feet, do some this things. This is where Gary Jones and George Lombard are really good. Well, they're going to have to work with his <laughs> being more nimble. Right. Let's put it that way. He's a bit of, he's and, not and, a he's not an athlete. He's a hitter. 
people can say, well, they've got that DA spot wide open, but I can just, uh, just knowing AJ and Scott Harris, they don't want to turn a 24, 25 year old guy coming up to the major leagues into a full-time DH. They want them to be able to play a position until that player tells them where they're play that they can't. Well, there's no Miggy here now. Okay. And, uh, if he hits, I mean, really hits, they'll find a way to get him in there. Yeah. You know, uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm, the one thing you can do is hit. And when you get 100 walks, and I know in the, the strike zone down there, and I watch those games, it's when they had the electronic this box. Is, this work. has been his career. He, he will draw he, walks. He, does. he doesn't and swing and miss much, and he's got, he's got big-time power that's still developing. In it, terms it, of, it could be big-time right. power. He has power. Oh, in other words, it, it, the ball goes right. when, he, when he crushes it. And he'll have, like, I don't know what their numbers are on it, but he is, it looks to me like average exit velocity, things like that is – is really good. Yeah. He's anything but an easy out. He's a tough out. Yeah, you don't get too many 280, 400, 440, 450 guys coming up from the minor leagues. He's a pain in the butt for pitchers. Yeah. He's not going to he's not going to offer at pitches that they're going to try to tease him on. So the thing that I always think about when you're trying to predict where a team is going, the Tigers scored 600 and what, 70 runs last year, gave up 740. Those two numbers basically have to flip this right. year. I agree. Score 740. They don't probably won't get there, but the runs allowed has to drop down to that 660, 670 level. And then you can be maybe league average in run scoring. They were third worst in the American League last year. I think they can be a lot better. I think they can get toward the middle of the pack. If you're middle of the pack with really good run prevention, 660, 670 runs allowed, that's the Cleveland formula. (laughs) Well, yeah. You can win 85 to 90 games on a regular basis. Right. Plus, once that offense gets better. But you got to understand, Torkelson uh, could be a special hitter. Last year at this time, we were thinking— When was the Tigers' offense at, at its best? When Riley Green was healthy. Right, and Riley Green is obviously important if he stays healthy. A very good offensive player. He'll have an 800 OPS. Uh, would be surprised if it was lower than that. I think his power is going to be there, too. And Keith and Young, Dan, they can really hit. All right? So, you know, when those guys come up and they start hitting— and you've got Torkelson, and you've got Green, and you've got those Carpenter. two. Car- and then Car- <laughs> Carpenter didn't hit home runs his last 145 plate I appearances, know. so I don't know what that means. But obviously, we saw enough. I agree. I, it was a strange finish, yeah. but I, we saw enough to me that that's that's a legitimate left-handed power threat. Yeah, without question. 25, 30 home run. Power. So, uh, and you know, Jake Rogers runs into some balls. You know, and uh, Javi Baez. Look, I, he can't be any worse. All right? I mean, seriously, this is a very talented player. He can't be worse. I'll go back to what I said, I think, in in November when we talked about it. AJ talks about the ability to be athletic in the batter's box. He is athletic. No, I know he's always going to have a high swing, right? He's going to chase. But he can he get back to the he was always a high chase guy with the Cubs, and he had some good years. Can he get back to that? He has the athleticism. Defensively, he can make plays that still maybe a handful of guys in the league can make. So I, I guess I keep going back to that, but it it will be interesting. And what he does this winter is going to, I think we'll see it right away in spring. You know what it looks like to me, and this is simplistic, and I'm not like, I don't know what they're hitting. There's coaches. still something in there. He is not done as a hitter at 31. He, one thing he could do that other hitters couldn't is he could lift with an you know uppercut swing, high fastballs. I don't think he can do that anymore. And I think he's still trying to do that. Because I went back and looked at some different things, when he hits home runs, what type of pitches. 
And, uh, you know, so he's got to make an adjustment. Last year he did take it for the team a couple times and flip hits out to right field, Mm -hmm. um, you know, on some pitches where he knew they were going to throw him that, you know, spinning thing outside and hope he'd chase it. And he reached out and actually – Punched it out there. He got a lot of RBIs on it. But he did that a few times. And you will hear that his strikeout rate was lower than it had been, I think, in his career or since his rookie year. I don't that means nothing to me given how much he swung out of the strike zone and the weak contact that he made. But uh, you know, the the two players that come up here, when they do come up, and they could that's a huge lift. That's better than any veteran you can get. And Torkelson, you know, what he did the second half of the year is a very talented player. Very talented hitter, unique power. Uh, could be something. He had 30 home runs last year. If he hits 10 more bombs, are you going to be shocked? Not at all. Not at all. That's a, that, He finished the year looking like a guy who, who's going to hit 40. Yeah, so I, I like what they're doing offensively, uh, and I think it's possible it, they can yeah. score a lot more runs. And as much as I would love to see another veteran bat, when you think about it, what Scott Harris is in a unique position that Matt, not many GMs have been in, there's a lot of young talent that they have to find out about. We haven't had this, as Tiger fans, haven't had this problem in a long time. Legitimate guys coming up from the minor leagues that are going to probably, most of them, pan out. Uh, one more thing before we uh, depart from the show. Uh, just on that whole thing about run scoring and everything, uh, it's you know, Canna will help them that way. He's pesky. He's hard to get out. You start lengthening the lineup, and right. that just makes such a huge difference. Right. So a uh, little bit here, a little bit there, and all that. Uh, and I don't, I don't mean to sound, you know, like overly optimistic. I, I genuinely feel like they're on the right track. They also have more athleticism, uh, meaning that pretty much everybody that they play can run. I mean, some cases really run. Like, people don't realize how fast McKinstry is. They don't realize how – like, Parker Meadows in top 10% oh my gosh. foot speed. Uh, Riley Green's a plus runner. He is. Uh, Spencer Torkelson's at least an average runner, close to a plus runner. Matt Veerling. Matt Veerling is extraordinarily fast. So they have athletes so they can they – can, you know, if they develop some power, which I think they're going to have, especially when these two kids come up, uh, talking about Young and Keith – uh, they're not fast, but you know they're you know not pluggers or something right. like that. But these other guys are fast, so they can beat you in multiple ways now. Where it's not, hey, if you don't hit home runs, and even last year that was the case. They hit some home runs, and they wouldn't. They can win by you know taking the extra base and doing things as they gain more experience. Uh, we're out of time. So anyway, goes fast. Goes fast. We'll see you in, I think, a couple of weeks because I think uh, Michigan might have uh, bumped us off the air next Monday. Yeah, i got to check the schedule. It's like <laughs> very confusing for me at this time. But once a week until uh, the spring training begins, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I always do, Dan. Appreciate it and uh, appreciate you all for listening. I think Inside Hockey Town is coming up next, right? I think I'm flying the Cessna <laughs> solo today. <laughs> Nobody told me. But anyway, uh, thanks, Dan. We'll all see right, you next Have a good night, Pat. Uh, this is 97.1 The Ticket.